Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends, let me tell you the best kind of problem for me to have. When I'm editing an interview that's so good, I can't bear to cut anything out. In fact, that's how the idea to do extra audio excerpts on Patreon came. I was having to leave so much good conversation on the cutting room floor to get to a 42-ish minute episode, but I still wanted you to hear everything. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet, there's information at the mid-show break to get you started. But this week's guest is a whole other ball of wax. I couldn't seem to cut this conversation with Brianna down to the usual 42 minutes, no matter how hard I tried. So this week, I've decided to do something I've never done before. You're actually going to hear the whole interview here on the podcast feed split into two parts over two days. As for the formal introduction, Brianna is a 30-year-old, white, cisgender female who describes herself as bisexual, married, and, until recently, monogamous. She and her husband have two children, are active in their church, and recently began exploring swinging. So today you get this part one, where Brianna talks about growing up and her early relationships up through the beginning of her talks with her husband about possibly exploring swinging. Then tomorrow, you'll get part two, where Brianna details their recent entrance into the swinger lifestyle. She spares no details about how they discovered their mutual interest in swinging, their early conversations, and their first experiences. She talks about the state of their relationship and how swinging has affected it, her feelings about monogamy, jealousy, and so much more. If you've ever wondered about swinging, don't miss this conversation. I'm so pleased to introduce Brianna. I know I say this at the beginning of every episode. I'm so (laughs) excited to talk to you. But it's true. Every time I got your email and I, your story is one that I've been hoping to tell in some way and hadn't found anybody to talk to about it. I was absolutely thrilled when you contacted me. So thank you. Well, thank you. I was so thrilled when you were so eager with your response. It was, you know, very quick. And I thought this, you know, she probably isn't going to even want to talk to me. And then you reached out so soon. And I'm, I'm so tickled to be here and just so glad to be talking to you. 
Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. Um, so the first question I ask everyone is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Well, when I was in about first grade, I had a little friend of mine, and she was a girl, and she came over to my house. And, you know, we played in the yard and then we went inside and, 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 you know, we were playing husband and wife or family or whatever you want to call it. And, um, we just kind of, you know, started kissing and we ended up in my bed and she was kind of, I I wouldn't, I mean, she was just kind of maybe petting me a little bit and then I was petting her and, you know, And that was my first memory of sexual desire. And I felt like such a freak over that thought, you know, this is so not normal, but I've heard other women talk about that on your podcast. And it is not that uncommon from what I understand. So that was my first memory of sexual desire. Did you feel like a freak at the time? Or was that a label you put on it later as you grew up and got more sort of of the sexual programming that we get in our culture? I didn't feel like a freak at the time because I didn't really know what was going on. But as I grew up and and came into my sexual identity, that's when I was like, wait a minute. And I didn't even really put that together until I had started listening to your podcast. And I was like, that was the first memory I have of that, but I've always been kind of a sexual person. Um, Probably even before that, I just didn't realize it. Yeah. So did you continue playing with that little girl over time? No, I just remember the one time, but it happened with other little girls over the course of my childhood, but it wasn't, I don't think that I was the one initiating it. There was other little girls and, and actually the first girl it happened with, she had older sisters and, and they were, I don't know if they had played that game or, or whatever, but that was how it kind of played out for us was, and then now looking back on it, I'm thinking, well, she had, you know, older sisters and maybe that they were playing house, you know, I don't know, but she knew about it. I didn't know about that. And that's kind of how it came to be, you know, and, and that happened multiple, I can think of three other little girls that that happened with, you know, a similar situation, but not, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, Mm -hmm. we just knew that it felt good. And, you know, we were just playing house, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I know that you grew up in a very religious home in a Baptist home. Were these other little girls also growing up in religious homes? Do you know? I know for sure that one of them was Um, But the first little girl that it happened with, I don't believe so. And another little girl, I I don't believe so. So I would classify my area of the country as being a very religious and conservative area. But I know for sure that two of those girls were not, you know, churched, I guess you would say. (laughs) I don't know that that has any relevance to anything. I'm just curious, like, if there are messages that are that are coming through to pu- to you that young, if maybe there's already some sort of resistance against those messages at that age, or if it's just purely a question of playing house, like so many kids do. Right. Oh, for sure. And even, you know, my children play house. I, I do wonder about that, but I don't 
you know, I would never shame them in any way about that or, or, but I do wonder about it, you know, if does yeah. that happen with them, but I don't want to like, in, you know, like invade their privacy. But also at the same time, I'm like, they don't get it. I didn't get it. But now as an adult thinking back on it, I'm like, that was sexual desire. <laughs> <laughs> How far did you go during those? I, I guess I would call them play sessions, even though I have a different meaning for that now. Yeah, for sure. Well, we, and I even think there was one time that it was, you know, you strip down nude and like get under the covers. And, you know, there was no, of course, I don't even remember any touching of that area, but maybe like, you know, kind of grinding. I mean, it, I mean, almost like scissoring type of thing, uh -huh. you know, really. I mean, if, if I'm honest, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. Wow. So, um, we have established that you call yourself bisexual now. As you were growing up through your tween and teen years, would you have called yourself heterosexual? I would have labeled myself as that, but I did have some instances where I, you know, had interactions with girls, not anything more than kissing or making out, but I would have labeled myself as heterosexual. Mm -hmm. But now looking back on it, I can see where I was interested in women at that time. I think that is such a common story. Yeah. So how did that? Um, let's see, how do I ask this question? Those experiences with little girls were just sort of playtime. And then at whatever point you had your first interest is like serious interest in touching a boy and kissing a boy. Like, was there any confusion for you in that? I don't think so. I just kind of felt that desire again, I would say. And, and I didn't feel confused that it was with a boy instead of a girl or, or anything like that. It was just like, this is, I'm interested in this, you know, like I'm game for this. So let's talk about your first, uh, your first entree into the world of sexuality. <laughs> when it was not with another little girl. Okay, so are we talking about sex or just kind of playing? Well, let's talk about playing. Yeah. Well, I was in middle school. And I had a boyfriend that I had dated probably the whole of middle school. And uh, we just kind of, when we had an opportunity, which was not very often, we would, you know, make out and maybe like have some heavy petting is what I would consider it now. There was no nothing major going on. I mean, I did kind of go down on him, I guess you could say, but it, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And I didn't even know, like, I was so like, I had no idea what I was doing. I had heard the term giving head and, and going down and all that, but I had no idea what that entailed. I didn't even know, you know, like how a guy got off or I mean, I didn't even know you get off. I didn't know what an orgasm was. I was just really young and naive and I had no idea. But I mean, I went down on him, but I didn't, you know, <laughs> you know, to completion, I didn't go down on him. So did you go down on him because he asked you to or encouraged you to or did you come up with that on your own? He he encouraged that. I don't mm -hmm. think I even knew what that was until he had initiated that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, what? No, that is so not right. 
<laughs> and did he reciprocate? Did he go down on you? No. But, of you course know, not. <laughs> we were so we were so young. I don't know that we could have ever had that opportunity, right? Because we were doing li- this like in the back of the theater. Like that would have mm. been the only time we could have done anything. And I mean, realistically, like him going down on me was a no go. And yeah. probably I would have been like, oh, hell no. Like, this is not <laughs> happening. You're crazier than hell. <laughs> so I want to I wanna keep going through your teenage experiences, but I want to back up first and talk a little bit about your childhood home and what the messages you were getting in your childhood home around sex and sexuality and who you were as a female. My mom was very open about sex, but not in a way that would condone sexual activity. But because um, she had me as a teenager, and so she she didn't want the same thing to happen to me. She didn't want me to have a teenage pregnancy. So she was very adamant about, you know, if you ever become sexually active, please tell me and we mm. can take the necessary steps to prevent a pregnancy you know, or prevent a sexually transmitted disease or whatever that the case may be. You want to be safe about it and, and everything, but she didn't condone it. You know, I grew up Baptist and at the time we were, we were, we were churched, but my mother was very, I guess, radical because she talked to me about the dangers of, of having sex, you know, because I could have a teenage pregnancy or I could get a sexually transmitted disease. And so she wanted to make sure that that didn't happen to me. But I was very naive and I never thought that even after I figured out what sex was, I thought my parents did not have sex because they were not very affectionate with each other. And it was just a really, I grew up in a really loving home. Um, My mother especially loved me. Um, I never questioned her love for me. But now my dad was more of a, a passive parent I never really felt love for my dad. I didn't, you know, I never seen him love my mom. Um, And there were some instances of, you know, cheating in my house, Hmm. you know. And and so I had a lot of hard feelings about that because it, it just really shaped me. Now that I look back on it, I can see that because there was, you know, some infidelity in my in my house growing up, I felt like I couldn't trust people, you know, mm. even, you know, as an adult, even now. So your dad was cheating on your mom? Yes. Did you know at the time that it was going on? Or did you figure it out later? My mom actually talked to me about it one night, because I kept asking what is going on? You know, oh. what is going on with you guys? I can tell something is really off. And I was just picking up on a lot of things going on in the house. And I was asking questions and my mom ended up telling me and I was I was pretty young to hear that but my mom is very open and so she just told me you know this is so what's she, going knew, on. she but knew she stayed in the marriage she did mm-hmm. and was that a de- how did you feel about that decision that she stayed I was really um I questioned her decision on that because I thought you know, if that were me, like I would not have stayed, you know, because it was pretty serious. You know, it was, you know, everybody kind of knew about it and it, it was humiliating. I really questioned her on that. Why would you stay? You know, because in my mind, he was not very affectionate towards her. 
what did she have to to stay for? There was not yeah. a lot of in my in my eyes. Now I don't know because I don't know what went on behind closed doors. But to me, I felt like he was not a very loving husband, and then he cheated on her, and so I felt like he completely betrayed her, and she had every right to to leave him, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. Are they still together? They are. Wow. And how do you feel about that now? Well, I've kind of healed about that since the time that that happened because I was in middle school. But I I think that I guess I kind of have some hard feelings towards my dad over that. But the majority of the way I feel about it comes out in distrust for, for people because I felt like, you know, I couldn't really trust him we weren't enough for him. So, and I've always kind of felt like I wasn't enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. So you've mentioned that you were in the church. What were you hearing in the church about sex and sexuality? When I was growing up, I was during the time of the true love weights movement. And so it was, um, sex is so bad. You don't ever Mm. do it. You don't ever think about it. I mean, it is so bad. You have to wait until marriage or you're going straight to hell. Wow, that's a lot. Yes, it was extreme. And so when you started fooling around with boys in <laughs> in middle school and high school, did you feel like, okay, it's okay because we're not going all the way? Or did you feel like this was sort of gray area? I just didn't think about it. Uh-huh. I, would, <laughs> I would be like, this is really fun. I like this, but I'm not going to think about it after this happens because then that makes me a bad person. So like, I would just do it and then be like, oh, I'm good. I didn't, that didn't happen. Yeah, that's an interesting level of dissociation <laughs> from your own experience. Right? Yeah. Wow. So um, did you have a purity ring or anything like that? No, but it was during that purity ring movement, you know, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a big deal, but no, I didn't have a purity ring. I wasn't committed. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, screw that. No, I'm out. (laughs) And what was, I'm always so curious about this in the, the religious traditions where they say sex is very bad before marriage, but then you get to the wedding night and all of a sudden you're supposed to like be able to flip a switch and know exactly what to do and how to please your husband. Like, how did they talk about that? How did they, you know, quote unquote, prepare you? I was not prepared for marriage other than my own preparation, but you know, they did not prepare me for that. If I would have went into my wedding night with the knowledge I had of sex given to me from school or church, Man, I would have probably got divorced the next day. It would have been annulled. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. 
and the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So, okay, so let's keep talking about high school or, you know, teenage stuff. You you have the first, you know, uh, gropings, it sounds like, with uh, in middle school. What happened next? Oh, man, this is a doozy. But um, <laughs> I had a boyfriend in high school, and he was older than me. And I had told him that I was not going to be having sex until I was married. I mean, I probably said something like, I'll suck your dick, but I am not going to screw you. Like, it's not going to happen because I am a, I'm going to be a virgin until I'm, I'm married. And uh, we had that conversation. And then the next thing I know, it was a Sunday and he had went to church with my family. We were probably fondling each other and making out. And this was on the couch. And, um, my parents would have been very close by us and, um, he tried to, you know, penetrate me. And I said, no, this is, you know, this is not, I already told you, like, I'm not having sex. And, but I was trying to be very quiet because my parents were nearby and I liked this guy and I wanted my parents to like this guy. Anyhow, he proceeded to penetrate me without, you know, my permission or, or whatever. And so it was a really sad, a sad thing because it was something that I didn't, I wasn't really going for. And it just kind of happened. And I said, no, but, and then for the rest of my life after that, I thought it was my fault because I could have shouted. No, I could have, you know, punched him in his throat. I mean, I don't know what I could have done, but I always thought that I could have done more to, to mm. stop it. And so I didn't actually classify that as non-consensual sex until I started listening to your podcast and realized 
that was non-consensual sex, you know? Yeah. And that was a big moment for me because I realized that he took something from me, you know, that I wasn't offering up, you know, and that was a huge moment for me when I realized, you know, because, you know, I always kind of saw that one particular instance. And then the way things played out after that, I continued to date him for a couple of years and I continued to have sex with him for a couple of years I took that on myself. I took responsibility for that because it was my fault. I could have said no, but then look what happened afterwards. You know, I was, I was a slut anyway, or else why would I have, you know, gave it up after that. So that was kind of the identity that I took on after that. So you didn't identify it as an assault at the time. No. How did you feel about the, the sex? I cried about it. I was very sad yeah. about it. I don't think I cried in front of him, but I I cried after he left and went home. You know, I was very sad because I felt like I had yeah. lost something very precious, you know, because of my Baptist upbringing. I felt like this was like the end of the world and he had to marry me now. That was basically how I felt, you know, wow. but he was a real shit ass. You know, he was mm-hmm. a dick. So mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, over the course of the next two years, of course, I did not want to marry him. But then I felt bound to him in some way. And was the sex that you had in that ongoing relationship consensual? After the first few weeks of it, you know, I I did have consensual sex. I didn't get any pleasure from it, but I did have consensual sex for the next, you know, probably year or two. And he used condoms? No. Really? No. He never used a condom the first time. Never. Wow. So I guess I just want to pause here. And and I have heard you say that you you now recognize that that was non-consensual. But I really want to reaffirm that you did nothing wrong. And that especially in a culture that teaches us to be good little girls, that the idea of, you know, how to say no, or how to fight back, especially when you're like, my parents are in the next room, and I'm not supposed to be doing this anyway. Like, there are a lot of factors there that make it not at all surprising to me that you didn't know how to speak up or to to take that next step. But that was assault. And I'm really sorry that you had that experience. Well, thank you for saying that. And I'm I'm glad that now I can look back at that and say that was assault and that was non-consensual sex. And I don't want to classify myself as a victim over that because I, I've learned a lot from that. And, and I found my voice through that. And so all in all, I wouldn't say I'm glad that that happened because I wish that I could have been in control of that situation of, of giving my virginity up, that it would have been my choice, but you know, it all panned out and I'm not like completely scarred over it, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a really sad situation. And from what I understand, you know, by listening to your podcast, that happens very often. And it really puts me on guard in regards to my own children. And Mm -hmm. that is going to be a way that I speak to them about sex that was different than the way I was spoken to about sex. I'm not, you know, saying that I wasn't spoken to in the right way about it. But if I would have known that, you know, 
it is my choice. It is my body. I can do what I want to with it. Things would have happened differently that day. And who knows, I may have never even had a sexual relationship with him. And I could have waited until I was ready for that because at the age I was, I was not ready for that. I had no idea what it meant. And I wasn't ready physically or emotionally for that type of encounter. Yeah. So what do you want to say to your kids as they grow up? Well, how do you want to talk to them about sex? I I really want to have a, open lines of communication with them. And I want them to know that they can talk to me about anything. And if they don't want to talk to me about anything, that is completely fine. But I will not judge them for their sexual desires. You know, it is normal. I see it already. I, I can tell that they, it tickles, you know, you know, <laughs> that, I mean, that's just the way it is. And so I don't ever want them to feel shame about that. So, you know, if I see them maybe, you know, kind of fondling themselves in front of people, I say, hey, that is totally cool, man. We just going to, you just need to go to your room and you can do that. And that is fine because it tickles and it feels fun and woohoo. You know, that's, that's totally (laughs) fine. And so I want to, I really do think that if they waited until they were a bit older, maybe that their, you know, their brains might be caught up with their hormones that they're experiencing because (laughs) I was so young that uh, I couldn't really understand what was happening. And if I would have waited, I think it would have been a lot better for me. Mm. So how old were you um, during that first relationship? I was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So how did you get out of it? Well, my parents ended up telling me that I wasn't allowed to see him anymore because he was a dick. And um, because I was such a rebel, because I just always was a rebel, but because I was such a rebel, I continued to see him behind their backs. You know, at this point, you know, I'd be driving. And so I would go and see him. And then one day it just clicked with me. He is such a dick. Like he does not care about me in any way. He just really wants to use me. And so it just clicked with me one day and I I don't have a specific instance, you know, nothing happened. It just clicked in my brain. And I was like, I don't like him. Like he is really mean to me and I don't appreciate it. So I am done. And so he came to my place of work and uh, I took a break and I went out and I talked to him and I said, I'm done with you. Don't call me. I'm changing my phone number. Um, I don't ever want to see you again. And that was the end of it. I changed my phone number and he was out of my life. Wow. Very brave. I just was done, you know? I wish I could have came to that point much sooner, but I learned a lot of lessons through that relationship. So it's probably a good thing. (laughs) So what happened next? How long was it until your next relationship? I just kind of, I didn't really have a serious relationship after that until I met my husband, but I just kind of played the field, I guess you'd say for a couple of years. And then I met my husband and, and we were fairly young. We, we started dating when we were 17 and, Mm -hmm. um, but because of the experience I'd had with my first boyfriend, I would not um, have sex with him or I would not do anything with him physically. Um, and so I put a timeline on it and I said, if you want to wait around, we're looking at a month before I do anything with you. 
because I didn't want him coming after me in a physical way because of what I had been through with my previous yeah. boyfriend. So I thought I'm going to have the upper hand here. It's going to be my choice and I'm going to make the rules here. And when you say you're not going to do anything, does that include kissing to, or petting? Or? I think we kind of kissed, maybe made out a little bit, but we for uh-huh. sure, there was no oral sex or actual sex. Nothing happened until it was my call, you know. Gotcha. I love that. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So I didn't realize we were going to get to your husband quite so quickly, because you did mention that there was a period of time when you were playing the field and you a few minutes ago used the word that you were kind of slutty. So (laughs) I'm curious about that in between time. And by the way, I I have no uh, baggage on the word slutty. I think that, you know, if we're out there having fun, and it's what we want, I'm all for it. Yes. (laughs) Well, I um, had a period of time where I broke up with this guy and I was done with him. And I actually really use sex as like an attention seeking means to an end. I just wanted to have sex just because I knew I would get attention over it. And that's kind of how I was, you know, playing my cards. So I had sex with a couple of different guys and I was not their girlfriend. They were not my boyfriend, but it was just kind of a, free for all, I guess, you know, we just, it, it just kind of happened. And I was fine with that, you know, but I wasn't in a serious relationship with anyone. And so you felt comfortable with that level of connection that you could have sex with them. 
and and it was okay that you weren't in a relationship. Yes. And I actually kind of thought that it worked in my favor because like I wasn't trying to strap them down. I was just like, hey, let's do this thing that feels good. And we're just going to do it. And we're just going to, you know, (laughs) enjoy it. Uh And I'm not going to be your girlfriend. And you don't have to tell me, you don't have to introduce me to your mother. Like we're good. (laughs) So what was different about your husband? How did you know that you wanted to have a relationship with him and make him wait? You know, that's interesting because I haven't thought about, I hadn't thought about that because I didn't do that with the other, the other guys. But, um, I knew that some, there was something special about him and I, (laughs) he just walked in the door. (laughs) Um, but anyway, I, um, I knew that I was going to marry him before we were even dating. I knew it. We just had this chemistry and I actually told my mother, I said, I'm going to marry this guy. I knew it instinctively. And, and that's probably why I said, you know, I have these very strong feelings towards him and I don't want him coming after me for a piece of ass. So if he really, you know, is interested in me, he'll wait. I mean, a month really, come on. Is that that long to wait? But in (laughs) my 17, it is, (laughs) it was an eternity, an eternity really. And truly. And I mean, we really wanted to, I really wanted to, but I, I stuck to my guns. I actually read that in cosmopolitan. If you really like a guy and you really want to see if he likes you, you make him wait for one month and let's see how that pans out. And it really panned out well for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So when you first, when, when you got to the 31st day and you said, okay, now we can have sex. How was it? It was good. It was good. We were 17. I mean, it was as good as it could be at 17 years old, but I mean, it was enjoyable. I didn't climax, but I had never climaxed with anybody other than myself. Um, so you were masturbating that at that point. Yes. And did you have pleasure from masturbating? Yes. Okay. And I masturbated from a very young age, probably yeah. around the time that um, I had my first experience with one of those little girls. I would have started masturbating around that time. Mm-hmm. Not, um, I, I don't, probably not with my hand, but you know, I would maybe like be laying on the bed in a certain way and I would feel that. And so I would almost like hump the bed and be like, oh, that feels really good. And then I would climax. I didn't know what that was, but, you know, I would continue doing it until I, you know, felt that great feeling. And I was like, heck yeah. (laughs) And so um, you were climaxing with yourself and then you are having sex with your then boyfriend, now husband. Um, at what point did you start climaxing with him? It was about maybe two months into our sexual relationship. And I was on top one day, you know, and you can be more in control of that. You know, I mean, at 17, I had never climaxed with anyone from oral sex or, or you know, fingering or actual sex. Like it was not a thing. And, um, this one day I was on top and I actually got off and I had kind of lied about it. You know, I had pretended like every time that we had sex that I had got off and I really did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, sex with my husband, even at 17 was so much better than any sex I'd ever had before. So, um, even when I wasn't climaxing, it was really great. But when that day happened and I got off and I was like, it was literally like I was seeing stars. I was like, <laughs> this is what it's all about. 
And so I actually had to like confess about it. I mean, I'm sure I had this look on my face like seriously, you know, but so I actually had to confess to him and say, listen, I lied all those other times. Like I never got off and I'm sorry, but I just got off and it was like mesmerizing. I'm digging it. (laughs) And how did he respond? Oh, he was so elated. I thought he would be pissed because I'd lied, you know, for two months or whatever, how long it had been. But he was like, I did that, you know, like, yes, that's awesome. Oh, that's so great. I like him already. (laughs) I know he's a great guy. He really is. So um, I don't know how to elegantly lead you into this part of the story. (laughs) The reason that you contacted me was that you said that you and your husband have gotten involved in swinging. And so I guess I'm just going to lay that out there and ask you to tell the story in whatever way works for you. Okay. Well, we had never really considered the idea of swinging. We've been together since we were a very young age, and we've been together for quite a number of years. And so um, we've always had a very fulfilling sex life. We just were literally like two rabbits going at each other like 24-7. If we didn't have children and jobs, like we would do nothing else. Like we just cannot keep our hands off each other. But um, we were planning a trip um, away for our anniversary. And, um, you know, we were looking at sandals and all these resorts. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, that sounds so great. I cannot imagine seven whole days without a kid asking me for a snack and a drink and wipe my butt and whatever else. So I was like, oh, that sounds great. And he actually found desire in Mexico, in Cancun. And when I first looked at it, I said, oh, hell no, there is no way that I'm going to a nudist resort that has people there who are swingers. I mean, seriously, no, it's not going to happen. And I actually left it at that for a few days. And then I said, I, I just started looking at the website and I started looking at a few different things. There's a forum about it. And so I started like looking at it and I was like, man, this sounds like my kind of place. What was it about it that made it your kind of place? It was, um, you could be naked if you wanted to, you could have sex if you wanted to, you could have oral sex if you wanted to, you could just, I mean, basically there are no rules. And I already told you, I don't like rules. Yeah. Rules. I feel very confined by rules. So my entire life has been lived on a rule system. And so when I found out there was this place where there's no rules and I could literally bang my husband like wherever I want to, other than the restaurants, that is the one rule, which I can comply with that. Okay. But I found out about it and I started reading about it. And I mean, I just dove into it. And then I started listening to podcasts of people who go to Desire. And also there's a podcast, uh, Room 77, people who um, actually sold everything they own and went there. And now they do a sensual massage class there. And so they do a, a podcast. And so that's kind of... I was like, I'm so in. So we booked a trip and we started talking about um, like what's going to happen when we get there. Like, what if somebody comes on to us? So let me just pause here for a second. Was your interest, it sounds like, was primarily in the ability to be publicly nude and to have public sex. Were you at all interested at this point in in engaging with other people outside of your primary partnership? No. Okay. 
when I first started researching the trip, no, I was not interested in anyone else. Mm -hmm. But the more I started researching it, I figured out it's a lifestyle, I guess, swinger friendly resort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves these questions like, would we be okay with this? What if somebody comes on to us? What if this happens? What if that happens? And we had to start really examining ourselves and our relationship. And the most interesting thing happened. We started communicating like we had never communicated before just like open lines of communication. Not that we didn't have that before, but I think that there were sexual fantasies that we never discussed with each other just because we thought, Ooh, that is too freakish. We cannot share that. You know, even though we were in a very loving open, you know, relationship where we were very open with our emotions and open with our um, sexual desires, we, we, even then we didn't go that far. So what kinds of fantasies were you having that you weren't speaking out loud? Well, my husband had a fantasy of me with another woman Mm -hmm. and also fantasized about me with another man. And I had um, fantasies about me being with another woman and him being with another woman. Um, Very convenient. Yes. So it, (laughs) it just so totally worked out. This feels like an excellent place to leave it for today. On the cusp of Brianna and her husband planning their first trip to a nudist swingers resort. Don't forget that part two of this interview will be in your feed tomorrow. In the meantime, leave a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls and have a great day.